Good morning. Please be seated. So clearly I'm not the Reverend Canon Father Michael Archer. <laughs> um, just so you know, so you can hold him in prayer, Michael has that terrible flu bug that's been going around and has been fighting a fever this last week. And we finally um, convinced him that it would probably be a good idea, along with some help from his wife, Cindy, to stay home and try and get better. So he will be with us tonight at the annual meeting, uh, but he's uh, marshalling his strength and trying to rest. So um, I'll be preaching today. So what does, the God, what does God require of us? Micah asks. Micah was a prophet that was busy prophesying and living during the same time as Isaiah. It was in the 770s, scholars believe, that Micah was giving this prophecy to the people of Judah. While Isaiah was prophesying to Jerusalem, Micah was living in a smaller town in the area of Judah, in the region of Judah. And not unlike the rest of the prophets in the Old Testament, the message is very similar. And the message that occurs in every prophet in the Old Testament is that you, the people of Israel, who are supposed to be the light to the nations, have failed. You've turned your back against me, and you've gone your own way and sinned and worshipped other gods and done wrong in the sight of the Lord and there are consequences for that. And the pattern, then, is that the people of Israel turn and say, we're really sorry, God. We repent of what we've done. We ask that you'll be our God, and we'll be your people, and we'll follow you, and we'll be faithful to you, and we'll do what you ask us to do. And God forgives them, and that pattern repeats over and over and over again. And if we think about it, it's not unlike the pattern in our own lives where we have those moments where we're walking closely with God and, and feeling very much in touch with the Spirit and doing as God would have us do or what we believe God would have us do. And then life gets in the way somehow. We get preoccupied with um, a problem in a personal relationship, or we, or we um, get wrapped up in work and forget about our prayer time, or whatever it is, but we start to turn our back on God and start to walk in our own way. And inevitably, that gets us into some trouble. We end up discovering that we feel cut off and that things aren't going the way we would hope they would go, and they don't feel right. And we turn back to God and say, I'm sorry, you are my God, you are my Lord, and I want to live the way you would like me to live. So Micah, in his particular book, if you read the book of Micah, the prophet Micah, it reads like a courtroom scene. It's God arguing and saying, this is where you blew it, Israel, and and then it's mixed in with these blessings. 
but this is what I'm going to do for you. And it's not God being vindictive, but God is just saying, here's where you messed up. Here's how I'm going to bless you. And then here's where you messed up. And here's how I'm going to bless you. That's how it reads, but it reads like almost like a courtroom drama. So if you're a fan of Law and Order, this book is for you. <laughs> so, so what happens here is throughout the book is that tug, that pull between, between God saying, here's what's gone wrong and here's how I'm going to bless you. And today's passage is one of those passages where God begins by saying, here's what's gone wrong and then here's how I'm going to bless you. So if you look at the very first part, God is reminding the people, the Israelites in the Judean area, that he's never let them down. <laughs> he's gotten them out of Egypt. Father Michael preached last week about, about defeating the Midianites against all odds. Time and time again, God has rescued the people of Israel and has given them leaders like Moses and Aaron and, and Miriam so that they would know the way to walk in the Lord. They would understand the direction to go because of the leaders God gave them. And then we get to this part that um, is the primary focus of what I want us to, um, to look at today. And it begins with the statement, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's it. To do justice, to love kindness, some translations say mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Say it with me. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, this section of Scripture tells us that God despises empty rituals. The people of Israel were really good at all the trappings of worship and doing the sac animal sacrifices and doing the anointing with oil and, and doing all of these religious practices. But their hearts were not right with God. And the evidence of that was, as the prophets tell us, including Micah, they didn't take care of the widows. They didn't take care of the orphans. They didn't take care of those that were marginalized by society. They didn't take care of the refugees and the aliens in their midst. They didn't take care of the people that were downtrodden. And God found their worship abhorrent because they weren't doing what God had called them to do. And that is to be a light to the nations. 
and to be a glory to God. That is God's call in our life. And if there's any doubt about it, in today's New Testament, the gospel reading, Jesus, among many of the Beatitudes, says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Clearly, God's plan for God's people throughout the entire corpus of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. So what does that look like? We're we're to uphold the poor and the destitute, to work for their rights so that the downtrodden are lifted up. We're to embody good-heartedness, kindness, and mercy towards others. And we're to live in close community with God. You see, God's values turn the world's values on, the, on, on its head. A friend of mine made me laugh at one point um, when we were talking about justice and we were talking about what the world's justice is like and what God's justice is like. And she said, you know, if God gave me what I deserved, <laughs> I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> you might relate to that. What I'd like for us to do for a moment is to close our eyes and I want you to think of someone in your life or someone whose life has somehow touched you. And, and that that someone is someone who you dislike. Okay? Maybe you... Maybe you despise that person. Maybe you dare I say, hate that person. And if it's not a person, maybe it's an entity. If it's a person, it might be someone in your family that's hurt you deeply. It might be a friend that's betrayed you. It might be your boss or a co-worker who's treated you cruelly, without justice, without mercy, without kindness. It might be um, a public figure that you find despicable. It could be anybody. If it's an entity, it could be a group, say, like ISIS, just pulling one out of the hat. And, And just for a second, get in touch with your feelings about that person or entity that definitely rubs you the wrong way. And if you don't have one, God bless you. Okay, open your eyes. So, sometimes we're the ones doing the hating. Sometimes we're the ones on the receiving end, right? And Micah's word to us and Jesus' word to us is to be merciful, to be loving, to forgive people of the sins they've committed 
against us. And incidentally, to forgive ourselves of the sins we've committed against others. Gina and I um, had the opportunity this week to go to um, a conference called Forma. And it's about, uh, it's about formation. It has a lot to do with educating all of us, youth, adults, children. And, and the, one of the primary speakers, the headliner, in a huge way, was Nadia Boltz-Weber. Now, before I heard about this conference, I didn't know who she was, so I'll give you just a little brief bio. Nadia Boltz-Weber is a partnered lesbian woman who is um, a recovering alcoholic. She's a Lutheran pastor in, um, in Colorado, and her flock are the marginalized. She serves people who are on the fringes of society. And as she said, she has a very low anthropology and a very high view of God. She calls herself a progressive evangelical. She is heavily tatted. She's at least as tall as I am, and she's an incredible speaker. She talked about a lot of things, but what's pertinent to what we're talking about here in Micah today is she, she was talking about sin and how, how it kind of, in her experience of sin, her own personal sin, is that it kind of ties her gut up in knots, right? And, and she feels just extremely tense and uncomfortable in her physical being. And she mentioned sometimes where that happens. And I won't use the colorful language she used, but one of the examples is when the jerk in the SUV cuts you off on the freeway and you do not have charitable thoughts for that person. And as she talked about that, she then talked about how God um, shifts her thinking. In the Lutheran church, at least in her congregation, when communion is distributed, this is how she described it. I'm going to get the first phrase right, and I asked Gina and another friend of mine that was there, Rob, and none of us could remember the second part of the phrase, but the first part is what counts. When she gives communion to people, I don't know what the setting is, but in our setting it would be at the rail, she looks each person in the eye, and she says, child of God, the body of Christ. Child of God, the body of Christ. Child of God, the body of Christ. And what that does for her, when the jerk cuts her off on the freeway, she is reminded again and again that that person who she really doesn't like is child of God. Just like me, just like each one of you. We are God's children, whom God loves. And our call is to love everybody in a way that is representative of the kind of love that God has poured out in our hearts, in our lives, that we don't deserve, but he freely gives. So do justice, love mercy, 
and walk humbly with your God. That child of God, loving mercy, loving kindness, extending to people that you might, I might disagree with violently. That I have nothing in common with them. I might even fear them. But to look on each person as child of God. And as we do that, as we recognize that, that that is our call, the only response is to walk humbly with God. Because here's the deal. We can't do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God without God's help. Have you ever tried to do it on your own? <laughs> Doesn't usually work out real well. We may work really hard at it for a while and feel like we're succeeding, and then something happens. And we fall flat on our faces. Without God's presence in our lives, without the Holy Spirit empowering us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God, we will fall flat. And even with God's help, there'll be times when we fall flat. One of my favorite sections in Paul's writings is the 8th chapter in Romans, where Paul says, Why do I do the very thing that I hate? I'm trying really hard, let's paraphrase now, I'm trying really hard to do what you want me to do, God, but I do the very thing that I don't want to do. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah. With God's help, through the course of our life, because it's a lifelong process, we can be better doers of justice, lovers of kindness, walkers in humility, but only with God's help and only calling on the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live the kind of life we know we're called to live. Without God, we can't do it. One of my heroes in, of the faith is St. Francis. And if you grab your prayer book and turn to page 833, there's a famous prayer attributed to St. Francis. It's prayer number 62. Now, St. Francis, probably most of you know that he's associated with being um, uh, a lover of animals and all the animals flock to him, and that is legend. But the truth of St. Francis is that he was called... By God, he heard from God to rebuild the church. And Francis took it literally at first, and he found a physical place where a church had crumbled, and he sought to rebuild it. But what Francis came to understand was rebuilding the church was, was much bigger than a building. Rebuilding the church was to care for the lepers, to love the poor, to clothe them, to bring them into the fold, to show them mercy, and to walk humbly with God, and that's how he conducted his life. So I want us to conclude today, and hopefully this will become our personal prayer as well as our corporate prayer, the prayer of St. Francis, saying together, Lord, 
make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. <laughs> 